Welcome to the Better Business Podcast, a series for those business owner operators who want to create a better business. Here are your hosts, Chris and Mark. Welcome to the Better Business Podcast. It's been a little bit of a little bit of time between drinks for Mark and I. So Chris Pesamenti here and joining me uh, from Sydney is Mark Eggleston as usual. Hello, Mark. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? I'm very well, mate. How are you? I'm pretty bloody good. Let's get into a bit of a topic here. And, and I want to I want to recount a little bit of a story with you. Um, because, you know, you and I uh, d- don't mind. I think we mentioned it in a podcast a, a a couple of years ago, even um, a little bit of the bullshit bingo, if you're part of it. <laughs> um, you and I don't mind it when a new term comes across our, our desk and, and uh, we get made aware of something new that's happening in businesses and out in workplaces out there. And I'll just let you know, I'll just cast you back a few weeks back. And I was talking to one of my clients and he said, we were just talking about some stuff generally, and then he he made reference to a phrase that I hadn't heard before, and he said he spoke about how um, there's there's a sense that there are staff members in their business who are quiet quitting, and I sort of I was taking a little bit of back and and because then my mind starts racing about well what does he mean should I know what he means do I have I ever heard of this before? And I thought, no, okay, I'm going to put my hand up here. And I said, um, look, you're going to have to explain what, what this is to me because uh, I, I really haven't come across it. And the way he explained it was, um, and, and it was without judgment, so I'm not going to sort of, you know, put, put any judgment in there. But, but the way he explained it to me was that quiet quitting is when you, you know, just in, in his terms was when, when I can't get onto my staff member um, after after their scheduled finish time or when I can't get a response to an email. or And so we had a bit of a chat about it and I said, so what you're basically saying is that quiet quitting, which is which is a in in the way that we were kind of discussing it at the, at the time in a in a kind of pejorative judging kind of way, was that your staff are doing basically what you pay them to do and not much more. And we both kind of had a little bit of oh well well yeah. And, and so then my mind started racing and I said, oh, I think this is going to be the next podcast because I think there's there's some juicy stuff to talk about here because this has got an employee and an employer um, sort of connotation and perspective on it. And then in my research and your research as well, which we'll probably get into in a, in a bit, we're, we're sort of looking at this notion of, okay, there is a term out there. It is called quiet quitting. People are aware of it and and... and know what's what it's all about so i thought why don't we unpack it a little bit um because i think it's some interesting stuff has popped up and i reckon it's a really good conversation for business owners and leaders to be having around their teams on this one cool okay um now you've got a bit of a structure around this as i understand yeah so i thought what what you and i should probably do is look at three key questions in the in the um in this discussion what is quiet quitting and look at it from an employee and an employer experience? What causes it and can it be overcome? And if so, how? 
Cool. So that's that's what we're going to talk about today. So it should be a good little punchy little chat. We don't have yeah, to. You it know, will be punchy. We don't have to mate. waffle on too much about it. Let's no. because what we'll probably find is that there's some um, some of our past, you know, our greatest hits catalogue come up quite a bit in this conversation. So if you go back through our, our previous podcasts, um, I'm, I'm sure we've covered a lot of these topics before. So what? Let's let's begin at the start. Eggy, what yeah, is going, quiet I'm, quitting? You and I, I'll. I'll I'll get into that in a sec, but I'm just going to give you a little window into what my position initially was on this and may even still be. When you told me about this and you told me about your client who'd said that to you, um, I think I said to you, what the actual fuck does he think? <laughs> and I sort of stuck with that for a while. Uh, and I, in a sense, I still do, uh, but not completely. So quiet quitting is... It can be one of about four things, doing the bare minimum, being a bludger, not doing much at all, mm-hmm. being an, simply being efficient and getting what you need to get done in your nine to five job, or simply wanting better work-life balance. This yep. term, and uh, one of the things I came across, someone said, this is the fakest of fake terms imaginable. But where it actually sprung from was some Chinese guy. It came from a term called lying flat, where a Chinese guy got completely hacked off at doing too much work, went home, got into bed, took a picture of himself and sent it to his boss. And he's lying Um, flat. Yeah, he's lying flat. But then quiet quitting emerged from that. so and, and then there's been some I've noticed through through a little bit of research here there's been some TikTok videos that have gone viral there's been um, and and you know I dare call them influencers because we're not talking about people with millions and millions of followers we're just talking about people with no, general no, TikTok it, accounts but it what seems we're talking to be about that, is we're not talking about influence people with millions and millions of followers who have absolutely no experience in the topic they're talking about yeah <laughs> you'd be dead right well what they do have though is experience in in the act of quiet quitting because it seems like you know that that's where a lot of this um social movement is coming from where whereby and i saw i saw one particular tiktok video video where the person basically said you know quiet quitting is the notion of of not not let being consumed by my job not being consumed by um so the corporate environment that I'm in, but still subscribing to the to the requirements of my job, yeah. but just not going above and beyond. So, exactly. uh, so re- realistically, it's probably a bit of a, a a wanky term on old problems that any business owner would face. What what uh, do exactly I do? exactly where I got to? What yeah. on this? Which is I think it's been around for ages, really. Yeah. But because people are now working from home and bosses have probably got into the habit of phoning their employees outside working hours, they've now got a method of seeing quite quitting. Yes, Whereas their assumption may have been if everyone's at work and everyone's at their desk or where they're supposed to be, they're probably working. It's a great point because I think it's just more visible now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And a lot of employees have found a new way of doing what they need to do. Yeah enabled by technology to a large extent. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, going back to your original, what what is quite quitting from the employee experience, you could be a bludger, you could have checked out 
from an engagement perspective, or you could just be really efficient, or you or you could say, I'm really in the work-life balance game now, and I'm going to get it into my my practice earlier on in my career instead of craving it later on. That's the employee experience. So yep. how, how does this spin out then in, in terms of the employer experience and perhaps a little bit of that conversation I was having with that client of mine? Um, you know, how are employees seeing it? Employers seeing it, sorry. This is what I, I came across this lovely term, and I reckon this is where it's, it's this is from the employer perspective. It's what is in inverted commas, silently expected. The employee has this thing in his head, this, this is what I expect, blah, 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 whatever that may be. But quite likely, they've never articulated it. So they think it's real. So is this like that extra potato cake you get when you go to the local fish and chip shop? You you order two potato cakes, but you're really hoping and, and knowing and thinking and feeling and deserving that you're going to get three because you know that, that's what you've been given in the past? Yeah, expectations one hundred and one, truly. Yeah, and that's a we. There is a podcast on this. There is. That's back um, in about episode eight or nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. In our list. Not but a bad little chat, actually. I listened to it the other day just to see if if we're on the money, and I think we are. So I think. Uh, I don't, uh, so basically, the 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 quiet quitting from the employer experience is the extra potato cake, yeah. except this is except. What I in, this but is I'm what not. I expect, and I'm not going to let you know. It's a silent expectation. No. Yeah. Because because what would happen if it wasn't silent? You'd have to pay them more or pay overtime. Exactly. Or, you know, pay so the, overtime or you... Yeah. What about when it becomes a... So, so let's so let's draw a line under that then, okay? So yeah, it's question amazing. one, we've got it from the employee perspective, which is the experience of quiet quitting as an employee is I'm just going to do what my job description asks of me and the requirements of the job ask of me and nothing more. The employer experience of that is it can create a little bit of that shitty energy because all of a sudden I may have a team of people that I used to rely on to do extra work or to to put in overs and go above and beyond, whereas all of a sudden I, I, I just can't get onto them anymore and things aren't getting done with this sense of urgency anymore. So, so you can see it from both sides of the coin. But it is yeah, driven can. by the employee experience, is it not? It is driven from the employee yeah. experience. I definitely think it's driven from the employee experience. Yeah. So then let's look at then what would cause this. Why are people quietly quitting? Well, I think well, what I've found is that during the pandemic, people may have done quite a lot of work from home that they weren't paid for. I, I have no, I, this has just come up in quite a bit of reading on this I've done, that this is probably where it started. Um, so I think that's technology-based as well. So people are working from home. Um, they can phone a lot of their work in yeah. or Zoom it in or do it however they're doing it. Um, technology's let it happen. And I think probably... Um, I think with the line. technology, I think with the technology piece as well, is it means you can actually disappear. It means you yeah. can turn off. Can Whereas turn you, off. I think if everyone was sitting around the office, that there, there's a another piece that I want to get into in a little in a little bit, which is the cultural piece, which is uh, the, that was going know, to be the, the next. The, there's almost this peer pressure to keep hanging around. I think that I was going to mention that next, but I'm going to save it now. Yeah. Um, 
what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I think I think there is a lot, and I think the work that whole COVID thing blurred home and work quite a bit. People found yeah. it very hard to um, delineate between I'm in my pajamas, it's eleven o'clock, and I'm actually at work, but I'm working from my bedroom. This wasn't me, by the way, or you. Yeah. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> so it became very blurry, I think. Yeah. And and there's that there's that thing that notion of remember we discussed it a, a, quite a few years ago that notion of finding that third place like if 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 home is your first place and work is your second place there's that notion that you have to find your third place in order to be able to get a break from work and home yeah. and and what we've found in the last couple of years is that our first and second place have, have become the same place they have become the same place and and so when that becomes all consuming. I I think it's a natural reaction for people just to eventually rebel against that and say, "Hang on a minute, enough of this." You know, you, I, um, I'm around I'm around my my wife or husband and or partner and and my kids more, but we're talking less. What yeah, the hell's I'm, going on? You know, I'm so staring at them over my computer screen. Yeah, they're running, and, and I'm glued. Off. I'm glued to my phone while I should be watching a show with the kids, or I'm doing this when I'm doing that, and it's everything's become a little bit blurred. So I think that there's when we look at causes of this this notion, it's it's actually saying, what the fuck am I doing? I'm 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 absolutely consumed with with what I'm paid for, and at some point, you, it, it, there's a deal breaker. You either finish some relationships or you actually quietly quit. Yeah. yeah. You do. So quietly I think this is the thing that's happening. One of the things I uncovered is quietly quit doesn't mean leaving the job you're in. It just means being really clear about when you aren't, well, I am or I'm not working right now. And when we yep. talk about employee engagement, we look at the, all those studies that we, you know, there's all the Gallup um, oh, there's you know, statistics. Of and, and oh, there's buckets. Like, and, and we look at the Gallup statistics of, of, of you know, who's sinking your boat where, you know, if you imagine your business is a 10-person canoe, you know, two people are rowing in the right direction, five people are, are admiring the scenery and three people are trying to sink your boat. And that's that's a, a summary of all the statistics on employee engagement, right? And so you're going, from a from an engagement perspective, um, this is about discretionary effort. And so the way I look at some of these causes of why people are quietly quitting, if you, if you just see through the language of it, you're actually going, no, they're, what they're basically doing is lowering their, their level of discretionary effort and bringing it back to zero, if you like, zero discretionary effort, which then firmly puts you in the either two boxes as an employee, either a stayer, who are the people that still have that intent to stay in the business you know, over the long term, but aren't going to put in the discretionary effort, or the potential of what you're talking about before of, of leaving, which is the underminer where someone doesn't see themselves in the business for a long time and and are also putting in zero discretionary effort. So then the, the risk is that that person then becomes a little bit of the, the rotten apple in the bunch, so to speak. What and that I, that I think is one of the things we, you have to be wary of around. You have to be aware of. Quick. But if you were someone running a business, whoever they were, I'd imagine you'd know who those people are already. And before quiet quitting came along, assuming they were your employees. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Another thing I've come across, though, exactly on this point, Pez, is that you don't want everyone to be going a long way beyond the norm. You don't want super high achievers everywhere. Remember we talked about that uh, Brené Brown 
podcast about chickens, super chickens. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And the super chickens were high performance performers, and to cut this story really short, ultimately kind of killed each other, literally pecked <laughs> each other to death. And then she looked at really successful businesses and they were not full of high performers. Yeah. So so when you look at so there's there's obviously a, a few of these sort of uh, discussion points that we've spoken about in the past that are that are sort of coming into this discussion. Um, so if we look at some of the causes as, as, as what you raised, the working from home, the blurring the lines between home life and, and work life, um, the fact that you can turn off now and be invisible at a certain point. So if, if your role has, has converted to a working from home role, you can, you can turn your computer off, you can turn your phone off and, and nobody can get onto you. And that is, that is a form of just switching straight off, right? Um, we've looked at things like um, fatigue, you know, from, from blurring those spaces, those, that first, second and third place that I spoke about. So there is some fatigue in that where we, we're starting to question what, what is this all really about? If, if the world can go through this funny period for two years and, and then I'm, my whole working relationship has changed with, with my role, um, I'm now, I now need to make some different decisions. It's almost like taking a bit of the power back, so to speak. Um, then, the, then there's that engagement piece as well. So what are organisations actually doing to engage their people? Um, and, and like we are just discussing then around that, that engagement uh, discussion with, with looking at some of those age-old um, re research and reports into what leads people to be engaged, what leads people to be disengaged, what leads people to be highly engaged and so on and so forth. Um, and, and go back to the very start of this conversation, I think what we're doing is putting a bit of lipstick on on on, on an old problem, aren't we? Like there, there's oh, no. Yeah, we are. We this are. is not new. It isn't new, but it's just become a bit a little more obvious. But because people yeah. have found a better way of quiet quitting, whereas they was a little more difficult before. Yeah. So can you think of any? I mean, we could go into some re really sort of um, broader macro um, depth around this, which is you know obviously as as vagaries in the economy uh, pop up like cost of living's gone up so people are you know they're, they're they're into their bosses for more money if there's no not more money to give then that that has also raised a lot of conversations around well if i can't get any more money and my and my personal circumstances are gone up well i'm, I'm just going to do the bare minimum on, on that last point is i mean I, I i know that it's happened in nearly every business i work with where where you know just the other day uh, one of my clients lost a couple of staff members um, just simply because of, of com com competition rewages. So on and so has offered me X amount more. Um, if you match it, I'll stay. If you don't match it, I'll go. And and well, so, you know, they're, 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 that's real quitting. But it is real if, quitting. That is. But real if quitting. people if people want to actually stay, um, but there's not more money to give, and they've tested the market, and the market's not prepared to pay them more for their role. Well, then you can actually see that there's this sense of, well, I'll just do the bare minimum now and keep my job. Here's something else I discovered in quiet quitting related to this point, which is if you're a quiet quitter, unfairly enthusiastic about it, don't expect to be getting up and given a birthday cake on your birthday. Don't expect to engage in all the cultural events your workplace does. Hmm. Don't expect to go to drinks on Friday if they have them. So... My point there is that if you are a quiet quitter, you're going to, without you knowing it, not engage in the culture of the place you're working at. Yeah. So that that and that's a really good point because I think in the causes as well, 
is is the notion of of what causes the opposite of quiet quitting, which we discussed briefly before. So the, on the opposite side is when everyone just hangs around for the sake of it because we've got to be seen to be hanging around, and that's a cultural exactly. issue, right? Mm. Um, but other but, places I talked to though, Pez, during the COVID, during the whole COVID disaster were really critical, critically aware of culture. And when they could do it, they would have just social events in the office where everyone would come in and yeah. bond, just purely for culture. Yeah, yeah. Because they realised that working from home, being in your pyjamas at 11am wasn't really good for culture. Well, it isn't really good for culture. No, no, nor your health as well yeah. in, in a lot of cases. With all the people still, you know, battling to take off some of those COVID kilos, as they called them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so in, in relation to then the causes, I think that there's mo most workplaces be really um, aware of what could cause all of this. I think one thing that would be dangerous to do is just put it down to a bit of a, 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 a panacea around, oh, yeah, that's all. this is all because of COVID. No, because, it's not. Because I don't think it is, yeah. I, I, don't, I, think, I think it is, though, is COVID has taken the race car out onto the racetrack and stress tested it. Yeah. It's taken it for a flog around a few laps, see which screws, bolts, wheels, etc., fall off. They're already going to fall off, but this has just brought it forward. Yeah. And I think that I think that's a good point because now we've we've stress tested a lot of scenarios in our businesses over the last few years. And now we're starting to see where these gaps are and it's probably putting the mirror back up onto the leadership of the business, isn't it? It totally is. It actually yeah. is. Um, so in terms of then overcoming it, or can it be overcome? How do, how do we overcome this, this phenomenon? Oh, I reckon there's a couple of ways, but just about putting the mirror on management. Management themselves, and I was working with a guy a little while ago that did this, um, he would get up at one o'clock in the morning and send emails out to clients who had sent him questions during the day about things many and varied. And he was the CEO of this business. Mm -hmm. And we said to him, do you have any concept how your clients feel about receiving an email from you at 1am in the morning? Because if I was a client of yours, I'd be going, you're totally incapable of running this business. Why isn't there a structure? Why are you doing it 1am in the morning? Blah, 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 blah. And sometimes I have to work way outside the norm, but it's not a good idea to do it all the time. And it's not a good idea for your clients to see it either. And, and I think there's another take on that too, which is the paint a scenario where you've got just say 30 or 40 people working for you and a vast majority of those people quietly quit. Yet there was a culture in the place of staying back and, and, and hanging around for an hour or two longer than, than is necessary, um, stretching out maybe eight hours of work over 10 hours of work, or all that sort of stuff that, you know, most people are pretty aware that goes on around, around office places around Australia. We're not often as business owners being absolutely honest with what is our true capacity as a business, because if all of a sudden, if our team uh, make a shift towards just doing what they're paid to do, and we somehow see that there's some massive shortfall in our delivery process. Well, then we probably need some more people in the team, or we yeah, need to exactly. question. Exactly. We need to question had... our business model, or we need to question our pricing, or we need to have all these hard conversations with with what keeps us competitive and what where our value is as an organisation, 
rather than just blaming our staff all the time that they're not putting exactly. in extra. This is, why, this is why at the beginning of this podcast, I went, what the actual fuck? Well, and, and it's so funny because like we always talk about, a lot of this stuff is counterintuitive. And, it is. You know, can you imagine a traditional um, financial services firm or an, a legal firm or an architectural firm, anything in the professional services that essentially sells time? Can you imagine saying, hey, by the way, you've got to set up a structure where your people are only, you expect them to be 70% productive rather than 80 or 90 or however, you know, how much blood you want to get from a stone. And you, you do get some funny looks like, oh, no, yeah. we, you know, you know, it's, it's like this constant drive to sell every minute of every hour of every day. And then, and then on the other hand comes this essential potential judgment of, oh, but, but they're, they're, now they're only doing what we paid them to do. Well, well yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. And, 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 and that, well, but now we've got these, these big gaps in our budget or big gaps in our productivity or big gaps in our uh, deliverables or big gaps in our scheduling. And you're going, well, because you've culturally created an environment that hasn't been honest with, with what, what your business actually requires and how it needs to deliver and how you need to price it and sell it and package it and all that sort of stuff because they're hard strategic conversations that not everyone, you know, is, is versed in, in being able to have all the time. So the easy thing is let's just get our people to do more. Remember and, I used that expression to you about 10 minutes ago, silently expected. Yep, so it's silently expected. Yeah. Remember also. That, that carries a burden as well. Like staff feel that. They bloody know it. Yeah. It's just not articulated. Yeah. Um, remember, this brings me to mind of, well, it appeared that a lot of restaurants had this business model where we won't pay everyone the full quid. Well, I think I think restaurants is a great example generally without without yeah, being specific generally, because oh it's happened it, in Sydney too, Pez. Go on. Well it happens everywhere because I mean even back in the days when when I was working in restaurants through uni, is that you, you know, there's a, a big proportion of people who, who get paid cash, you know, a, a, a cash rate at an hourly yes. rate that's below the the you know, whatever the award or whatever it is. Um, and and we saw this during COVID and since is that what happens when those people are taken out of the system? Business uh, restaurants can't actually open. They can't operate. They can't. So that would you be know, the question. Was it a viable business in the per in the first place? A lot of them aren't because then you'd imagine that if you had, you, you go to your typical strip, uh, strip shop, uh, you know, restaurant, Italian restaurant or Vietnamese restaurant, whatever it is, if everyone that works in there on that night had to be on full freight, um, you know, on the books, getting paid what, what the government says you've got to pay them, well, then they're not charging, well, these days they're charging $38 for a pl plate of spaghetti and meatballs, but but they're not charging, you know, back in the days, you know, 25 bucks a plate of pasta. They, they, they'd have to charge $45 and no one would pay that. Yeah, exactly. And then, they, and then, they'd, be, and then they'd be out of business before you knew it. So it's, it's, it's actually, whilst it's not necessarily the, the example of quiet quitting, it's actually a really good example of, of the silent expectation that we, yeah, that we have. Yeah. Um, um, I and, wonder, and, and business models. As a business owner or leader, for God's sake, articulate what your expectations are or have them documented. Mm -hmm. And so I when will, you talk about what, what's a classic expectation well, setting document? One is I work in a not-for-profit which gets uh, money from government or they get a grant and the grant is allotted against a particular project. 
what they weren't putting in their employment contract is your employment only lasts as long as the grant. Okay, yep. Now that handles an expectation right up front where when the money's gone, we'll have to probably let you go unless we yeah. get more. And, and a classic expectation document is, is a job description. It is. And it doesn't need to be onerous either. Here's and the hours, here's the pay, here's the duties, you know. Culture, uh, second. Go, culture, yes. So yeah. how, do we, how do we overcome it with culture? Well, you need to have a culture that is documented. Values and how they play out. So values is usually a, just a word, but then, then you need to explain how that plays out in your workplace. What are the actions? That what are the behaviours that support the Behaviours, that's exactly what I'm looking for. What are the behaviours? And, you know, if you've got a good culture, people will really, your employees, has been in my experience, will quite often go way and beyond what's expected of them. Yeah. So the culture ones, the culture ones, you know, right up there for me as well. So what I always say about the culture is generally it's got to be a place that people want to want to work. Okay. Yeah. So it's got to be, it's got to hit the buttons of the people who are, who are aligned with those cultures. It's got to be fun. It's got to be productive. It's got to, uh, you know, hit their needs of, you know, some of those more, um, you know, basic needs of it's got to provide security, it's got to provide pay, it's got, you know, all that sort of stuff. But it also has to be somewhere that people actually want are aligned to and want to put in. And so when it, when you talk about culture, um, you know, we used to talk about the thank God it's Monday culture, you know, it's, it's about, you know, creating something where people actually want to turn up for the right reasons. Yeah, and also think on that point, if you're experiencing a bit of quiet quitting, it'd be worth checking how your employees are feeling. Like, did you yeah. have a thank God it's Monday culture and now is it diminished? Why is it diminished? Are they struggling with the current environment? What's, you know, it'd be worth doing a survey amongst your employees. I'd yeah, like what, what, why the shift? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. What, what, why the shift? You could pick up on the paper. Somewhere we had one, remember, that you could yeah. conduct amongst your employees to find out yeah. where they sat. Yeah. So I would say expectations, culture. Well, I'd, I'd add on the culture one, um, which is this, is don't, don't be too harsh on a, pro a proportion of your team who are quite quitting because the people who will put in the discretionary effort will show up anyway. Those people always show up. And to your point before is you can't have the super chickens where everyone's on fire the whole time and everyone's a really high achiever the whole time and everyone's just on. Um, but those people will show up. So as long as you're creating a, a, a really solid culture and, and it's, a, it's a great place to work and it does what it says it's going to do and there's good relationships and good trust throughout the place, then the people who, who actually want to put in that higher level of discretionary effort will always show up. And this is, this is a little bit about that mindset of abundance as, a, as, as opposed to scarcity. Instead of, in, in ever, instead of thinking about what, what we're going to miss out on if people only work their hours, actually start thinking about, well, actually, what questions does this ask of us that creates an opportunity for us as a business? Be moaning about people that are quite quitting. I'd suggest you find out why and show some empathy. You don't have to agree with it, but at least engage in a conversation with them. Which which gets on to, I guess, the, one of the big solutions, that, like, you know, if the first one that you say, if we look at the um, how, how do we overcome it, expectations, culture, which leads to the empathy discussion leads directly into engagement. Okay, yes. so, so are you a leader or are you a boss 
or is your leadership team or your executive really good at listening to its people? Not just telling them what to do or looking at them from afar, but actually asking a question and, and really listening to what they have to say. Because I think there's there in 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 their in that action there of um, what you describe there as empathy and I describe as as listening and seeing things from their side of the table. You're probably people are always telling you everything you need to know to make adjustments, but are you actually listening for them? Yes, that's oh, that is so well put because they are. They will tell you what you need to know. Um, so and and you mentioned thing. a survey, like you mentioned, you can do this yeah. via a survey. You can do this via your one-on-ones. You can do this via your mentoring chats. You can do this by, by the water cooler chats. You can actually just pull people aside and say, let's go for a coffee. I noticed, I know, like, go back 12 months, I noticed you were putting in the extra hours. I know you're not now. There's no judgment behind this discussion, but I just want to know what's changed. You know, when you spoke about the race car being put on the track to be stress tested, yeah. stress tested, I think what what that stress testing has done to a lot of organizations where they and i'll use the word there's some mild panic out there in in the owner operator marketplace which is oh shit, we haven't done enough to develop our people and our relationships inside our business we've kind of taken it all for granted i think i i I think that's a really key point it is that you know we've we thought we've got all the boxes ticked but we haven't we, we did we did a lot of surfacey stuff, you know. Yeah, we did a bit of training. We had someone come in and do a talk, but we haven't really invested the time to really develop our systems around how do we develop and manage our people? How do we connect with our people? How do we look after our people? So if we if we summarise it, we look at the the main ways to overcome it that we can tell so far. Get your expectations right, which is no surprises. Get get all get everything you you've got expectations about in terms of someone's job role, how long they work for, what they get paid, the hours, what they do, the deliverables, all of that stuff. Be clear as you possibly can. One thing there, Pez, it's it's yours and theirs. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be two way street. Yeah, it is like the business. Yeah, case. the business has expectations of people, it totally and, does, and, and so it should. And the employee has expectations of, of yeah. what what they get provided, right? But that that's normal. Next one, check in with your culture. What kind of place are you really creating? You know, what's the role modeling look like in that business? If the role modeling in the business is creating an unrealistic expectation for people coming after you to want to actually, you know, work through the business or, or they don't see a future for themselves or they don't see that they're the type of people that get promoted in your organization, um, then you've probably got a bit of a cultural issue there and you've got a bit of a structural issue. So look, look at it from, from culture and succession. And then that third one, way that we spoke about is the, the engagement discussion. So go back and look at all the things that you can do as a business to increase your employee engagement. And that is, you know, the connection, you know, as we said, the easiest way to do that is look at the relationships between managers and their direct reports. Because as we, we know, we've discussed um, in the past, and we discussed it on our engagement podcast, is that, you know, 80% of our um, a- attachment to any business is is wrapped up in my relationship with my direct manager. So I think, right. l- like look at, it. yeah, look at that relationship. So start looking at how do you develop your, your team and your managers and the people that you want to be as leaders in your organisation how do you develop, develop those people to actually look after their people? 
because yeah. you can't look, you know, not one person at the top of an organization organization can always look after everybody. You no, actually have can't. to have you have to have a team of people looking after the bigger team of people. I think we could leave everyone with one last thought, and I'm going to ask you if you've got it. Mm-hmm. What do you think a manager most needs to do to be a leader if they're not doing it? The, the biggest thing I see is they don't spend enough time one-on-one with their team members and, and just chatting about the team member. So it's that, it's that connection piece. Yeah. I was going to drop one other word in there, which is exactly where you've gone. They need to shift to coaching them. It's not technical expertise anymore. You as a manager, it's your ability to coach these people. Yes, someone asked me the other day a similar question and they, they sort of said, oh if, you, oh, if you came into, we were just having a bit of a laugh because I was with, with one of my clients and they, were, they had one of their other um, business associates, uh, like a, a, another, that ran another business, quite a significant business. And they said, oh, you know, here's Chris, he coaches our leadership team and helps us with our strategy and so on and so forth. Oh, you know, you, and this person said to me, he goes, oh, what would you come and tell my leadership team? And I said, well, I probably wouldn't tell them anything. I'd probably ask them a question and then listen. And I think it knocked him. I think it knocked him for six a little bit. And I think that's that's the the thing that we lose as, as in what you're describing is that transition from a manager to a leader, is that you have to you have to be able to you know start a conversation one on one with your team team member and then listen listen to what they've got to say. And as you said just a little while ago, they'll tell you it'll be there somewhere embedded. Well, that's how you build trust. That's how you build intimacy. It's how you build empathy. And once yeah. you do that, this notion of of quiet quitting, all of a sudden doesn't even become a thing anymore, because yeah. the quiet quit the quiet quitters are going to do what the quiet quitters have always done. They're just going to do their job. We call them stayers. We've got we've already had a label for them ten years ago, and then probably fifty years before that, there was another label for them. Nothing, this is not a new problem. But what will always happen is that the the true believers and the and the achievers will always come to the fore. So you point. need stayers and believers. You need them all. You do. You need them all. There's plenty of reading on this. I'd encourage people to actually just type in what is quite quitting into their browser. And, you know, there's great articles like you, you see it from the newspapers have all got them, the news agencies have all got them, the, H, the Harvard Business Review's got some good stuff on it. Um, because it is a thing out there, I'd just encourage people just to read up on it so that you can put your own terminology and, and your own understanding about it. But like we always say, you know, in these podcasts is have the conversation in your leadership team and see if it's an issue. And if it is, look back at your expectations, look at your culture, look at your engagement programs. Exactly. Well summarised, I'd say. Beautiful, mate. Lovely talking. Yeah, lovely. See you, mate. See ya. See ya.